When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. I pray, Father, that you would illuminate our hearts and minds this morning for what you would hold for us through this, your holy word. We pray this in your name. Amen. There are all types of power in the world. If you were to think about man himself, man can run. We see man running. We see man lifting with uh, strength to lift up boxes. And we know that we have some physical power, ability to lift and to run. There are man-made power. We look at tractors. If I, growing up on the farm, we had several tractors, nothing this big, but um, they do the work. We see them being able to pull and to uh, till the soil. I mean, power, just mighty power within these machineries that man can create. We even create power in generators. They supply needs that we have in so many different ways in so many different places. And then there's God's natural power, and we see that through volcanic activity. This is a picture of a volcano in Iceland. Now, isn't that interesting where you have ice all around, and here's God's power erupting from the ground, just pouring out lava in the midst of Iceland. We see glaciers, we see earthquakes, and around here, we also see hurricanes, right? We have wind and power within that hurricane with rain. And then I just pulled up a picture because this is one that we remember, 2005. Look at the mass of that storm that hit New Orleans, Katrina, August the 28th of 2005. And we know the devastation of the power that was unleashed in that area during that time. We also have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. And today is Pentecost Sunday. And we know that 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, that the Holy Spirit descended in that upper room on 120 that day, and the church was born. It was 10 days after his ascension after Jesus was lifted up. And if we go before the ascension, as Jesus was gathering his disciples, we hear Jesus say this in verse 8 of chapter 1 of Acts. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. You will 
receive power. You will receive power. You know me, I'm a picture guy. Uh, I love to put things in your seat so you can lift them up and feel them in some type of analogy. And this morning's not much different, except that analogy will be on the screen. This is a picture, when I was 17 years old, of my bike. It was a 1974 Honda CB354. It was a sought-after bike because of the four-cylinder. It was one of the fastest bikes of the time. Now, those uh, jet rockets that they have now that do 200 miles an hour, those are later. But this dude, man, everybody wanted one of these bikes. I saved up my money and bought it used from a guy that I knew was selling it. And, um, yes, it, it would fly. So, um, a year later, I sold the bike. I only kept it for a year, and I'll tell you why. I was riding to North Myrtle Beach one day, and I was doing 55 miles an hour on number nine that goes into Ocean Drive. And a car pulled out in front of me, and I had to lay this bike down and slide into a ditch to save my life. And I will tell you that's one of many times, but that's one of those times when my life flashed in front of my eyes. Folks, please be attentive to these motorcycles and bikes around you. I mean, please, because it is no fun laying one of those things down and sliding down the road trying to hold on for your life. So I sold the bike um, about a year after I had had it. So why show you uh, my Honda 350? Well, um, I want you to notice that. That's a tank. Did you know that every motorcycle comes with a tank on it? I, I mean, you can't, unless it's torn up, you can't buy a motorcycle that doesn't come with a tank. Then there's a reason why. Without the tank, it doesn't do anything. It's not going to carry you anywhere. You're not going to drive it anywhere. In fact, the best thing that you've got, if you even have the tank and don't put anything in it. The best thing you've got is the lawn ornament. Looks good. Ain't going to carry you anywhere. You're not going to get where you want to go on it. So there's a purpose for that tank that they put on motorcycles. And that is for you to fill it up so that it unleashes the power to carry you where you want to go. Now, somebody already in the congregation this morning or online watching in their house has said, mm-mm, Marty, you're wrong. Not every motorcycle has a tank on it. Some of them have a battery. And you're right. There are now battery-powered motorcycles. Guess what? It's still a lawn ornament unless you power it up. That battery goes dead. It's no use to you. can't carry you anywhere. But when you put power in the tank, or you put power in that battery, it will take you where you want to go. The power is unleashed. Every born-again Christian 
has the indwelling Holy Spirit in them. And that is permanent. That is there. That the, the, the Holy Spirit is in us and has power to unleash within us. Jesus, in the 14th chapter of John's Gospel, says it this way, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, a helper, that will come, that he, that he may come and be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides, and I want you to hear this, he abides with you and will be in you. He abides with you and will be in you. This is the Holy Spirit that Jesus is talking about. He's telling the believers, he's telling us even today, that as we come, as we come to faith in him, as we truly accept him as Lord and Savior over our life, as we confess to him our sins, permanently that Holy Spirit is dwelling in us today and forever. Jesus told his disciples as he was getting ready to ascend, he said, go and wait in Jerusalem and you will receive the Holy Spirit not many days from now and you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And so the disciples, they left after the angels said, why are you looking up into heaven? As he is taken away, he's going to come again. And we could spend a whole other sermon just on that one verse of Jesus returning. But they told him, them, to go. And they went into Jerusalem to wait and receive this power to be baptized by the Holy Spirit as Jesus had promised. Now, if I had been one of the disciples that day, I probably would have thought about this. Maybe they did. They spent three years with Jesus. They saw him unleash the power, the power that was mighty and awesome. He healed the sick. He cured those that were lame. He raised the dead, calmed the storm, walked on water. They had seen all of this. He cast out demons. He caused the blind to see. And so if I would have been there, I would have been thinking, okay, Jesus, I've seen your power. I understand you as the Son of God. I've acknowledged that you are God's Son. But I can't understand how I would have anything close to your power. You're the Son of God. I'm a fisherman. You're the Son of God. I'm a tax collector. You're the Son of God. I'm nothing. That would have probably been what I would have said. Jesus said, you're going to receive this power, and you're going to be my witnesses, and you're going to proclaim this everywhere. But up until this point, they did not have the power of the Holy Spirit. Not yet. They didn't have the power to do the task that they were called to do. Not yet. Jesus said, go and wait. They didn't know how long it would be. He said, in several days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. 
they didn't know exactly how long that would be. But this time they did tarry. This time they waited. This time they prayed. This time they filled that position where Judas had left. And they prayed and they waited. And ten days after his ascension, the Holy Spirit descends on that place. The Holy Spirit comes into that place. And their lives were never the same. Never again the same. They had the power that Jesus had talked about. These flaming tongues descended on them. It says distributed and set on them, each of them. And these tongues are an illustration of the proclamation of the gospel. It says that they began to speak in other tongues, other languages. And we, there are those that will say, is this the gift of the Spirit, that speaking in tongues that Paul talks about in other places of his writings? And the answer to that is absolutely not. This is not the gift of speaking in tongues that happens at Pentecost. Because you see, the text tells us that many had gathered from all nations, all across, into Jerusalem. And each one of them heard in their own language the testimony of the gospel. There was no interpretation that had to happen. The power of the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they were able to witness, just as Jesus had said they would, they were able to witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ in other languages so that those that had gathered could hear. Peter stood that day and he preached and the text tells us that 3,000 souls were added to their numbers. This is the birthday of the church. This is the day that the church was born. And something happened that day as the Holy Spirit came upon them. As I said, they were never the same. I want you to hear this depiction of the early church as recorded in Acts 2, as beginning with verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling, uh, kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their, their property and possessions, and they were sharing it with all of them, as anyone might have need, day by day, continually, with one mind in the temple, the breaking of bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and the sincerity of the heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. This is the birth of the church. This is the Acts 2 church. And some of you have heard me say before, and I believe it with all of my heart, if the church today was an Acts 2 church, we would see a difference in our world. If the church of Jesus Christ was an Acts 2 church, 
the disciples were filled. Their, their permanent tank, this Holy Spirit that God had given them, they were filled. They were replenishing it as they gathered together as the body of Christ. They continually devoted themselves, it says, to teaching, breaking of bread, praying, this fellowship together. Their tank was full, and there was evidence of that because there were signs. There was wonders. People were being added to their number. They were going from house to house, worshiping, breaking bread, having communion. Their tanks were full. And when they dwindled, they would refill them with prayer, fasting, preaching, communion, and fellowship. Now, I want to stop just for a second and remind you of something, and you've heard me say this too. Please don't call the Holy Spirit an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It's a he. He is the third person of the triune God, the Trinity. He is who indwells in us, the very Spirit of God. He was present at creation. He was there as they hovered over the waters. The Old Testament prophecies, the Old Testament words, the law all speaks to the presence of the Holy Spirit working. The Holy Spirit, as a believer, gives us power so that we can carry out what God has called us to. But I want to tell you, church, so often we don't refill our tanks, or at least not with the Acts 2 church and how they did. We fill ourselves with things of this world. We allow things of this world to creep into our life, to creep into our witness. We have this worldly stuff, and it begins to zap and sap that power out of us so that we actually do not do, do not live into what God has called us to do. There are times when we have very little energy even to clean or cook or come home and do nothing but fall into the chair from work and no power to do anything else. We allow everything of the world to invade our space, our very being. We do it in the church, too. We allow the world to get us to a place where our spirit, our spirit, not the Holy Spirit, tells us, you know, don't you think you want to stay home tonight? I, I know Bible studies going on at the church. You need to rest. Or, hey, there's a women's meeting on the 11th of June at 1 o'clock. I just, I can't make time for that. There's a men's meeting the Tuesday the 7th at 7 o'clock. And, and you don't even have to go to church. All you have to do is just turn on your computer and just jump on online and minister together with a bunch of men. No, I'm tired. It's been a long day. 
I don't need to refill my tank. I can do that at another time. We just find that we don't fill our tanks as often as we should. They become empty. Do you know what happens to um, that motorcycle that I showed you earlier if I don't put fuel in it and I don't use it, if I just let it sit? All of the fuel that's sitting in the carburetor gums up. And then when you start to refill it, it doesn't run right. It doesn't, uh, you have to clean all of that gunk out so that the actual fuel you're putting in can create power that where you want to use it. And so we need to be attentive because when God fills us with the Holy Spirit and God, and, and as we submit and begin to continually, as the early church did, to refill those tanks, what happens is, is that we have a power that allows us to do the things that God has called us to, and we won't fail. And the reason we won't fail is because God is in it. And that's not arrogance, that's confidence. Confidence that God is going to do what God says he will do. We see it throughout Scripture. In 1 Kings 18, this has always been interesting to me, Elijah outran Ahab's chariot. Think about that. Elijah outran Ahab's chariot. Now, if you were to back up in that chapter, what you would see is Obadiah tells Elijah, look, the Spirit has come upon you. And the Spirit is giving you the ability to do what God has called you to do. He outruns Ahab to Jezreel. How about Samson? We think about Samson and the fact that his hair grew and he had the power and then his hair was cut. Well, before his hair was cut, he killed a thousand with the jawbone of a donkey. He lost his power. And then he's chained to two columns in this grand hall. And he calls on the Lord to refill him with his power. Not Samson's power, but with the Lord's power. And he pushes those columns and collapses that meeting place. What about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego? You remember the spirit walking around with them that gave them power within a fiery furnace to walk out of that? No smell, no singe, no problem at all. The power of the Lord, his presence filling them. What about Daniel in the lion's den, protected by the Holy Spirit? David standing before Goliath, no fear, killing the giant. What about Paul? Paul was shipwrecked, protected. He shook off a snake that was poisonous that didn't harm him. The power of the Holy Spirit. Paul and Silas, they were arrested. They were stripped naked, beaten beaten with 39 lashes, one short of what was considered death. But yet, even in shackles and in jail, 
through the power of the Holy Spirit, they praise the Lord. They praise the Lord. All of the disciples, except for John, after Pentecost, they were killed, martyred for their faith as they continued to to praise God and to share the gospel. And each of them came to that fate that they would, their life would be ended for their faith. But yet the Holy Spirit gave them power to withstand even to the point of death. So the question would be, how do we replenish our tanks? How do we become an Acts 2 church? How do we begin to replenish with the power that God has given us? Because if we don't, If we don't, then these things that we allow to zap our power, diminish our power, we will begin to question God. Where is God? Has God left? Has God left me? Has he forsaken me? Where is God? I don't feel the power that I felt at the time I gave my life to Christ. I haven't felt this power for a while. We need to refuel. And so the early church used several options, several things that they refueled with. And the first one that I want to mention is that of prayer. It says that they prayed continually. It's interesting. There are, and you've heard me, I think, in Sunday school. I mentioned this one Sunday a while back. I call those that come and visit And so there are times that I will call and they will say, you know, y'all pray a lot at that church. And I want to say, is that a problem? Is it a problem that we have a lot of prayer in our worship service? Because you see, the early church continued to pray as they gathered, as they worshiped, as they went from house to house. Prayer Our private prayer life is so important to us. It helps to refuel us because we are talking to the Lord, the Creator. Our corporate prayer life together, the reason that we have prayer after communion, this corporate time to pray together to God is important because it refuels us as a body of Christ that we are praying for one another. We are lifting up those concerns that we have. We are sharing with one another those that are on our hearts that we want to pray for. And so as you pray, you will be refueled. You will be replenished with that power that God wants you to have. Secondly, it says that they read, that they studied the scriptures, the the hearing and the preaching and the teaching of God's word. And it's important we know because you remember in Romans 10, it tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so the early church, through the apostles, they were taught about Jesus. They were taught about what Jesus had said, what he had proclaimed, who he was, that he was the risen Savior, the risen Lord. And they proclaimed this, and power was given to them. 
1 Corinthians, second chapter, the 12th verse, reads this way. Now we have received not the spirit, small s, of the world, but the spirit, capital S, who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. The scripture tells us that by the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God dwelling in us, that we can have understanding, we can know his word, we can understand that where the world does not. And so we need to be a church about reading and teaching and preaching God's word so that we are refueled with the power that God intends for us to have. Third, there was fellowship together. There was testimonies like Karen gave us this morning. They would gather and they would share what was happening within the fellowship of Christ. They would share their testimonies. They would encourage one another. The Holy Spirit was released so that it would flow among them. And they lift each other, they would lift each other up, refueling each other through their fellowship together. It is important for us to be together, to be together, and to encourage and lift one another up. And then finally, the early church, they worshiped, they communed, they broke bread together. Worship connects us with God as we lift up our praise. It's a unique way. In fact, the Hebrew writer tells us that we should not forsake our assembly. Hebrews 10, 25. And so we should gather together. It re-energizes us. It lifts us up together as we praise God and refuels us as we go back out into this lost world. I've had Christians ask me, maybe some have asked you, why does it appear that some Christians are on the move? Some Christians have what seems to be that power to, to go and to share and to talk and to, to do the things that God is calling them to do, but yet there's other Christians that don't. They just seem to be spinning their wheels, not accomplishing anything for God. And the answer is they have allowed themselves to grow empty. They have allowed other things to become more important in their life. The Holy Spirit is a gift. It is a gift from God. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough for it. When salvation comes into our life, when God saves us, when we surrender, the Holy Spirit is given to us. And so it is a gift from God. But God does command us to be filled. He commands us to be filled so that we can go out and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The problem is, is many of us are running on empty. There's a song, I think, in there, but I'll not play it for you. 
So, how do we refill, refuel, replenish with the Holy Spirit? We do that by being Acts 2, 2 church with fellowship and prayer and worship and communion and teaching and preaching of God. Are we choosing to refuel so that the Holy Spirit will give us power that will flow from us? I think often maybe one of the things we need to do is to check and see where our gauge is at. Is it on zero? Is it depleted? Is it non-existent? Is the power there or not? How do we feel as we live this life of uh, a follower of Jesus Christ? Have we become a Christian lawn ornament? Or are we empowered by the gospel, by the very power of the Holy Spirit, who God is? In those farewell discourses, Jesus gave us an understanding of what the Holy Spirit was going to do when he came. The Holy Spirit was going to be a helper. The Holy Spirit was going to be a, gui a guide to us. The Holy Spirit would comfort us and teach us. Give us understanding and knowledge. The Holy Spirit would even give us the words that we needed as we go out to share this witness. The Holy Spirit would convict us of our sin. The Holy Spirit would call us to be the very image of the living God to the world in which we live. The question would be is, have we tapped into that power? God will unleash his power through the Holy Spirit. What we need to do is be about refueling, replenishing when it seems to be low, when we feel like the power is not there. Replenish so that the power is present and the Holy Spirit can unleash his power in our life to do the purpose, the will that he has called us to exactly what he did with the disciples. And they lived in it from that day of Pentecost, that first day that the church was born. They lived into it. So this morning, I would challenge you see if you need to be refueled. Do you need to be replenished? Are you doing the things that you need to do in your walk with Jesus Christ? to live into the power of the Spirit that God has given you? Or is your gauge on zero? You have low fuel. You're about to run out of gas. And if you do, you're not going to be moving forward. You're going to be a Christian lawn ornament. And I don't believe that any of us want to be that. God is good. Man, he is good. And the fact that he would even give us his spirit, everyone in this place ought to say amen, hallelujah, thanks be to God. Because you have the very indwelling, living, Holy Spirit, God's spirit in you that will give you power to accomplish what he calls you to do. My prayer for me, and maybe it would be for you, that I'd get out of the way. And let God have all of me to do with as he pleases.
May it be so, God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day that we celebrate again as we have in the past, the coming of, of your Holy Spirit. That, that first Pentecost was powerful and we see the image of the Holy Spirit coming and resting and dwelling. And we see, Father, through your word what took place from then for, thenceforward. And Father, you today as believers in your Son, you give us the power of the Holy Spirit. You will receive power and we have received that power, and we pray, Father, that we'd live into what you have called us to do. If we, if we feel drained and low on your fuel, would you re-energize us? Would you refuel us? Father, may we do the things that we need to do in that refueling process. As the church gathers, as the church studies and prays and worships and communes together as we fellowship with one another. Encourage us, Father, through the Spirit. Encourage us through one another to be exactly who you have called us to be through your power. We pray this in the wonderful name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus.